I want to talk about failure. Yes. Now, <laughs> which seems like a good thing to talk about. And in your book, Philosophy, you you list uh, seven failure principles. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure you've done this a million times, but I think it's a good good place to start. So the seven failure principles. Yes. Number one, failure just is. Yes. So that actually just feeds in with what we were talking about, which is the idea that failure is a fact. It's inevitable. It's going to happen to all of us. No matter how much we try to avoid it, I guarantee that it will happen. And that can feel scary, but it can also feel liberating because once you've accepted it as a fact, there's no point in trying to avoid it. So you might as well take the risk. So acceptance of failure starts with the observation of it. Failure is a fact, but how you respond to it is within your control. Whether you decide to feel like a failure for many years after the thing that's happened or whether you think to yourself, okay, well, that's taught me something and I'll do it differently next time. I guess the risk there is one bad failure and people stop trying. Exactly. And then I I was thinking, this is very similar to confidence in the way that like, if you have one bad failure, your performance next time you get an opportunity, if you actually don't manage to just avoid it completely, will probably be worse because of nerves and that, you know, the memory of I'm terrible. And and then that's going to increase your chances of failing again. And then the kind of like self-negative reinforcing cycle kind of continues and your confidence and your sort of, yeah, your guts kind of cascade downwards and can, for some people, work in the other direction where you have a success your confidence builds, you walk Mm. on stage to do that, you know, public speech next time around with a bit more confidence, you do a better job, which increases your chance of success and it cascades upwards. Is that how failure works from your experience? It it can work like that. I mean, to take the example you've just given, one of the ways of looking at that, if you're then stuck in a downward cycle and you're failing and you're trying the thing is that you're therefore in the wrong situation. So you're in the wrong workplace, for instance, that that isn't generous enough to like make you feel okay after your failures or doesn't make you feel like you can be your true self, in which case I would argue you need to remove yourself from that situation and find the place that does suit you. Mm-hmm. Or it can be a question of mindset and a question of applying that mindset that we've just talked about, which is, okay, I failed. I'm feeling in a downward spiral. How much of that is fact? That's a very difficult thing to do on your own when you're at a very low ebb. And that's why I'm a huge advocate of therapy. And again, I know that I come from a privileged place where I can afford therapy. But even if it starts with reaching out to your friend and talking about it, or reaching out to your work helpline and talking about it, or texting shout the mental health charity or calling the Samaritans, that's a really valuable step. And the other thing that I would say there is that I'm very aware that my definition of failure, which is what happens when life doesn't go according to plan, has a fatal flaw, which is that sometimes there are failures that are totally cataclysmic, that we couldn't possibly have predicted, that go against any plan whatsoever, like a global pandemic, like terrible illness that you contract, like the death of a loved one, it would be monstrous for me to sit here and say those failures are as easily assimilated or learnt from or dealt with as failing your driving test. And so I'm not saying that at all. Those kind of failures will require a process of mourning and coming to terms with the thing that you've lost. And that's absolutely right and as it should be. My only thing is the way that I choose to live my life is I mourn, but I don't have to constantly relive the pain. Mm. 
I can still feel sadness about something, but I don't need to live in that place of reliving it constantly. Becoming a victim? Yeah. And becoming defined by that. I can choose to be defined by something else. I can choose to be defined by my response to it. I can choose to find some kind of meaning in something that was meaningless at the time. And that's how I choose to live my life because that makes it less sad. And I, and I think that that choice is available for most of us. So point number two in your book is almost everyone feels they have failed in their 20s. I mean, not you. Okay, so it's Stephen Marler, I'm pretty Still. sure. Do you think you failed in your 20s? Probably personally, sorry. Oh, multiple, <laughs> yeah. no, no, yeah. Uh, no, it's a good question, actually. Multiple times, yeah. yeah. Started my first business at 18, it was clearly a failure. Left that when I was 20 years old. Failed in loads of relationships, failed every day in business. Not the big, like, momentous failures, other than my business, that one would assert. But no, yeah. I felt probably more than anybody, to be fair. I think that's yeah. so great to hear. Yeah. And also, I think that a lot of people struggle in their 20s, particularly in this day and age, because of the curse of comparison and because we live in a culture of curated perfection where you're constantly comparing yourself to your peers' filtered appearance on Instagram mm. and the life that they seem to be living. So we're comparing our insides with everyone else's projection of their outsides. Exactly, yeah. And for many people, although I know not you, but for many people, it's the first time that they've come out of full-time education and come out of a system of exam and reward, exam and reward. Yeah. And there is no exam that you can sit to show that you're being a good grown-up. So you feel quite lost. Plus, piling on top of that, the pressure to find your passion, to like make a career for yourself, but also to earn enough to pay your rent, living in house shares, like just trying to make your way and trying to forge your identity in this day and age, it's just so hard to do all that at once. And then you're like, oh, and I should be having like a thriving personal life. And I should either be in a long-term <laughs> relationship or having one night sounds and making footloose and fancy free and drinking loads. And then at the weekend making vegan brownies because I got to watch what I eat and all of that sort of stuff. And it's exhausting. And so really what I wanted to say in that failure principle was that so many people come on in podcasts and say that they feel they failed at their 20s. And I think a lot of us fall into the trap, and I did too, of believing that we had to have our life sorted out by then. And actually your 20s are a decade of transition, of discovering who you are, of grinding up the spices of life in your pestle and mortar. And the older you get, my experience has been the more you know yourself and the more you know what you want to do. And that's where success lies. I've had so many more opportunities after leaving my 20s behind in the rearview mirror. You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere and the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky 
and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere and the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode.